The following program is rated M for mistletoe and maids a milkin, and may contain trace amounts of merriment. True stories of history's forgotten detectives from across the 20th century. This is Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater! Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Duotang Chesterfield Holiday, Holiday Special! Spectacular. We agreed on special. We'd spectacular. This is the Duotang Chester team coming at you from the Duotang Chester office deep in the dark, dark bowels of the Duotang Chester ranch. On that note, I'm going to introduce you to my co-hosts here, the rest of the Duotang Chester team, starting on my right. Hi, I'm Leach Stetson. Oh, that was so breathy. I'm Grace Smith. Hi, I'm Joseph Beebe. And this is indeed our very special holiday thing-tacular. At the end of this episode, we're going to be introducing you to a brand new detective, never before seen, heard, it's a podcast, audio medium. And before that, we've each written you taken it upon ourselves from the goodness of our hearts in this holiday season of giving to each write a little holiday, what would you call it? Vignette. Festive cheese platter. A little holiday festive cheese platter. So we're going to start off the episode with a short little poem that I have written because I'm hosting and I can start with mine if I want. It's called An Oregon Twins Christmas. An Oregon Twins Christmas. Twas two weeks before Christmas. And in small town green sleeves, two twins were being chastised for their dad's pet peeves. Said Daryl and Bradley to Sally and Sue, no snooping for presents as you usually do. For these teen girls were clever, yes, their fathers had learned. Each year gifts were hidden, but when backs were turned, Sue and Sally had found them as easy as pies, and on Christmas morning, They'd ruined the surprise. Good detectives always snoop, cried Sue to her dads. You could overwhelm our sleuthing by buying gifts and scads. But Daryl and Bradley shook their heads and replied, We ask for our present. Leave your gifts where they hide. A few evenings later, Daryl and Bradley were out, leaving Sally and Sue time to secretly scout. For presents, oh, where in the house could they be? I wonder, mused Sally, let me look, let me see. Years past they've been hidden under beds, under stairs, the closet, the basement, the crawl space, anywheres, under the gravel in our own fishy's tank, in their deposit box at Greensleeve's town bank. Sue scratched her head. She thought very hard. I'd forgotten why they confiscated my last bank card. They wouldn't again hide them where they'd hid them before. That leaves just a few places for us to explore. The twins they set off, sleuthing their way through the house, checking every nook as quiet as a mouse. But no presents they found in the freezer, on the deck. They searched through it all, leaving behind a big wreck. Wherever could gifts be concealed, Sal cried out. Is it too big for inside? Did they buy us a boat? Sue thought and deduced. Then she spoke with some gumption. Perhaps we were working under a faulty assumption. We've guessed we're past hidden. They'll be hidden no more. Then not finishing her thought, Sue ran to the door. Through the hallway, she sprinted to her parents' bedroom. What's your theory? asked Sally. Where are the gifts in tomb? D. Said Sue, where'd we first find them back when we were just four? Not awaiting an answer, she kneeled on the floor. 
Sue pulled back the bed skirt and revealed underneath a great trove of presents and a festive green wreath. Sue and Sally both squealed high off their clever sleuthing when a cough they heard behind them, soft and aloof thing. Hmm. They quickly turned round and saw Eugene, their third twin. Please don't, he implored, ruin Christmas again. Every year you discover all your presents and mine. You show them to me, though please don't, I opine. One Christmas morning with surprises I want. It would make our dads happy. Um, also here's a croissant. Sally and Sue rolled their eyes, said Eugene, go away. They opened the gifts, dove into the fray. Well, don't spoil my presence, called Eugene as he left, shaking his head, feeling lost and bereft. The sun rose two weeks later on a bright Christmas morn. The stockings were hung and the tree was adorned, really. Tired and cautious, Daryl and Brad came downstairs where the children had gathered to see their new wares. As presents were opened, the girls exclaimed at each one. None of the gifts went unadmired. No, none. Their dad sat amazed, shocked, pleased, and surprised. Maybe they hadn't peaked this year, being chastised. And even little Eugene, his presence seemed unknown. A toy truck, he exclaimed. A stuffed bear, a trombone. We're impressed with you girls, said Brad with a smile. You've given the best gift of all, though it took you a while. As their dads went upstairs, Eugene turned and he said, You looked at your presence. I heard as I fled. We did start, Sally admitted with a grin. Then we saw there was a way for everyone to win. We like nothing better than to deduce and to sleuth. Where dads hide the gifts, we must know the truth. But that doesn't mean opening. We can still be surprised. Sue said with a flourish, we just compromised. Thus a new tradition in the Oregon household. Their parents would hide their presents in places untold. Sue and Sally would find them, and pleased with their smarts, they'd leave them unopened. They did have good hearts. All were pleased as they sat down for their holiday roast. No crying Eugene or smug twins that boast. As they sat, Eugene said without irony, sans wit, Happy holidays to all. May the generosity of the season find its home in your spirit. Oh, Eugene, that doesn't even scan. <laughs> oh, those wacky twins. Uh, tell me, Grace, how autobiographical was that story? Um, not very at all. I, I never really looked for presents when I was a kid because I believed in Santa for like a ridiculously long time. So obviously the presents weren't at my house. They were at the North how, Pole. How long did you believe in Santa for? Um... Let me just say that last month was really rough. And now uh, Joseph is uh, gesturing at me through an elaborate charade type scenario. <laughs> he has some urgent, urgent information to tell us about the detective who's coming up at the end of the show. So take it away, Joseph. Lead, I have just received an urgent memo from the Duatang Chesterfield Urgent Memo Department telling me that we have just received an urgent memo from the Duatang Chesterfield Urgent Memo Urgent Memo Department telling us that our listeners have been calling in and emailing us questioning why, if the three of us are Canadian and usually don't take pains to hide that fact, why our four detectives are all either British or American. 
and we thought that the holiday season was a good time to address that. So I am pleased to announce that the new detective we're going to be introducing at the end of this episode is, in fact, Canadian. The first of our detectives from our homeland, and we're really excited about that. We hope you are too. Why wouldn't you be? Canada is an exciting place. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Back to you, Lee. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, thank you, Lee. You're welcome. So are you. But before we get to that, we have a couple more uh, festive holiday cheese sweaters to get to. Uh, the next one is going to be the one that I wrote. It is a musical stroll through a winter wonderland featuring two voices that you might recognize. Oh, hello, Detective Buckles. What are you doing here? Well, good afternoon, Professor Alt. You know, it's a funny thing, but I was just thinking about my favorite Christmas song. Yes, it is that magical time of the year. Tell you what, let me try to guess what it is. Well, Professor, why not try to sing what it is? Well, if you insist, is it the holly and the ivy when they are both full grown? I, I can't say that I've ever heard that song before. Is it... Wassail, wassail all over the town. Would you like me to narrow it down to a specific century? Santa light the pickled pudding, Yuletide comes but once a year. It sounds delicious. Am, am I getting closer? Honestly, I don't even know. Well, why don't you just go ahead and tell me, what is your favorite holiday song? Well, you know, I would if I had $13,000 to send to Brenda Lee. Let's just say that it involves a Christmas tree. And... Rocking there around. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Why don't I try to guess your favorite Christmas song? Provided it's in the public domain, of course. Please. What child is this? No. Silent night, holy night. No, sir. Come, they told me, pum 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 What in heaven's name? Well, I'm out of ideas. Say, what is your favorite song? Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Oh, I like that one. Should old acquaintance be forgot in days of old lang syne? For old lang syne. My dear, for old lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. Happy holidays and best wishes for a mysterious 1911, 1973. Well, Leet, I have to say, that was the gorgonzola of festive cheese sweaters. Is that good? That is somewhere between mozzarella and stilton, my friend. But you gotta tell me, uh, wherever did you come across those ringing pipes you had on display during that cheese sweater? Well, I, I've been singing for a lot of years now. Uh, a few years ago I got my degree in music from Dalhousie University, and so I guess I would say Halifax. I actually once went to a, uh, a vocal class, uh, I had one class, the guy hit middle C on a piano and he asked me to hit it, uh, and a cat died, and I have not been back since. We also have some kind of cool news coming up for this summer, uh, which I'm going to turn over to our resident theater correspondent, Grace. Grace, you want to fill them in? 
this just in, or should I say this just fringe? Boo. I'm the theater correspondent. I'm used to it. Uh, Do a Tang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater will be appearing at the 2015 Toronto Fringe Festival. We're very excited. We're going to be doing our first ever live shows. We hope that if you are in the Toronto area, we'll see you there. And if you're not in the Toronto area, maybe mortgage your house and fly over and see us anyways. And back to you, Joseph. Now, we do have occasional fun here at Duotang Chesterfield, but more than fun, what this podcast has always been about is sweeping and violent social change. Revolution! And in that spirit, I'd like to talk just a little bit more about the new detective we'll be introducing at the end of this episode. The reason we went with a Canadian, apart from the fact that we are Canadian and none of our detectives are, is that we really feel we've got a chance to do some good. So many uh, Canadian characters are filtered through the lens of whatever culture is producing them, and we thought, here's a chance for us to spear through some of those stereotypes and give you the genuine image of Canada as it exists to us. And we think that's cool. We think Canadians should write more Canadians and, you know, get rid of some of the stereotypes that are out there. And I think we're all pretty excited about being able to give you something genuine about our country. Is that right, guys? Yes. For example, did you know that when I look out my bedroom window, I see Canada? I only occasionally bleed maple syrup. But before we get to our brand new detective, we do have one more holiday cheese sweater for you. This one, I'm hoping, will rate a Camembert Angora. Uh, It was written by me, like uh, Leet's, it uh, stars Jim Buckles, and like Grace's, it's a short poem. Grace is going to be the one to read it, so I will turn things over to her. Thanks, Joseph. I hope I do it justice. Now, do I need to be worried about getting the giggles while I read this? Because that is a problem I often have with your writing. Merry holidays, Grace. The Ghost of St. Patrick's Orphanage I feel so awful calling you, and now on Christmas Eve, the matron simpered sweetly as she led Jim by the sleeve, upstairs that creaked with disrepair down dark and threadbare halls, not decked with boughs of holly, no wreaths upon the walls. Their funding had been cut that year, they'd hit the very edge, and that meant no more Christmas for St. Patrick's Orphanage. The other boys won't talk to him, and none will share his room. Poor Tom can't seem to shake it off, that newly orphaned gloom. They reached the door, Jim reached a hand, the matron pulled him back. Their eyes were locked, her grip was tight, he waited for some slack. Be kind to him, she said at last, take extra special care. It's silly, but he does believe he's got a ghost in there. She wanted to say more, it seemed. Instead opened the door. Inside young Tom sat gloomily and mutely on the floor. Tom looked at them with tired eyes, but caught Jim's uniform. I've brought you a policeman, said the matron, soft and warm. He's here to take a look around. You tell him what I've heard. But if he says ghosts aren't real, do take him at his word. Jim waited till the matron left. Her footsteps disappeared. First thing, he said, is ghosts are real. What kind have we got here? When I moved to this orphanage, I heard it my first night. Those shelves all started shaking and woke me with a fright. They've shaken nightly ever since, and they'll shake all night long. When they do, I feel a presence, familiar and strong. I've tried just hiding in my bed. I've screamed that he can't stay. He doesn't ever listen, so can you send him away? The timing is suspicious, Tom. You're feeling even more. Jim scanned along the wall until he reached and closed the door. Because of why you're living here, now this may make you sad. My best guess off the bat is that this ghost might be your dad. 
I know it is, Tom shouted back, which took Jim by surprise. That's why I want him out of here. Tears welled up in his eyes. He never had no time for me, just words that weren't true. We'll have a catch today, he'd say, but never follow through. And now he's gone, so now I'm here. We'll never have that game. And he thinks shaking shelves at me can somehow be the same? I just hate him, hate him, hate him, Tom barked out at the shelf. He pretended that he loved me. He only loved himself. It happened then, as if on cue, a groan and then a quake. Jim spoke above the noises as the shelf began to shake. I can't say what your father thinks, but here is what I know. It takes a lot for dead to stay when dead is meant to go. It's torture every moment. Your dad's paying quite a price. He's here for something that he thinks means more than paradise. So he won't give in to hiding. He'll stay long as he can. And if you really want him gone, you'll face him man to man. Jim led Tom to the shelf, and there Tom willed himself to stay. Just let him tell you what he wants, said Jim, and stepped away. The shelf was quaking violently, the air had caught a chill, and young Tom shook almost as much, but inside he was still. With one last short convulsion, wood cracking like a shot, a red ball dislodged from above, and at long last, was caught. The shaking settled suddenly, the shelf went back to sleep. Tom took the ball back to his bed, sat down, began to weep. And as he stared down at the ball, and tears fell all the while, his body shook with sadness, but he broke into a smile. Hater love, is there a point? It seems they hurt the same. As Tom's eyes begged for answers, Jim Buckles racked his brain. Tilly took from his coat pocket a broken candy cane, said, kid, everyone will hurt you but some are worth the pain. Tom munched the candy thoughtfully, then lay back in his bed. Jim tucked the covers over and a pillow neath Tom's head. Jim tiptoed out and closed the door as Tom drifted away, his red ball clutched tight in his hands till break of Christmas Day. Whew! That was um, an emotional journey. Uh, so, Joseph, as the writer of that beast, um, my question for you is, what the f***? I'm sorry. It's Christmas time. We, we, that was, the end of the year, we write happy I stories. Believe, I believe we said rebirth. And, warming uh, the cockles of your heart, not the, dead cockles. I, I, I read the email, and I typed, and when I typed the poem, I was thinking in my head, happy thoughts, holiday thoughts, happy thoughts, and, and that just... That's what came out. That's, oh, that's your happy place, oh, is it? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna fix, fix that? this. I'm gonna do that thing. What's the, the in the poem? What's the thing that is after the other thing? Coda? Epilogue. Either one. Coda log. Okay, give me two minutes. I'm gonna write a coda. I'm gonna fix everything. Everyone is going to have a merry Christmas. Um. So, uh, um, happy holidays, stolen yeah, banter. So, lead. What are you getting me for Christmas? Oh, are 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 we doing Christmas presents? I thought we. were. I mean, I got you a present. Oh, right. I just, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying I'm a good person who enjoys seeing the light of uh, coming out of your eyes on Christmas okay. morning with uh, the joy and generosity. Coda. Um, uh, okay, stay with me. Um, but then at exactly a quarter to five, Tom's dad reappeared, super alive. Because death has no teeth and pain isn't real. When you love someone, love is all that you'll feel. 
our last words will be joyous if a little curt, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. We good? Yeah, I feel I feel good about that. Yeah. Grace, you good. good? Okay, we we fixed fixed. Put a bow on it, so to speak. Happy holidays, everybody. And now, without further ado, you've waited patiently all special holiday thingtacular long for the introduction of our brand new detective. <clears throat> Hi, sorry everybody, it's Joseph again. I just need to cut in with one tiny little message before we get to the new detective that you've been waiting all episode long for. And we have gotten this far into our Christmas special without doing this pitch, so you kinda had to know this was coming. We're not asking for money yet, but if you do enjoy the podcast and you want to know what would make us really, really happy this holiday season, all you have to do is do something to spread it around. If that means telling a friend or a family member about it, if that means going on iTunes and giving us a rating, five stars would be preferable, or leaving a review for us. Believe it or not, that stuff really does help us in a measurable way. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing, help spread it around. It would mean the world to us. Okay, that's it for me. You're not going to hear another pitch like this for us for a long time, I swear to God. Let's just get back to the holiday thingtacular. And now, without further ado, you've waited patiently all special holiday thingtacular long for the introduction of our brand new detective, Canuck Chuck, Detective. For a buck. Well, hey there, Doug. Can you give me a ring? That's right, Detective Chuck. So I'll tell you what happened then. I get up this morning to drive into work. Oh, sure. But when I come to start my pickup, I find this ding back here on the old bumper. Oh, yeah, I see it now. I bet you a toonie weren't there last night, so I think someone must have given her a little bump this morning. You see the tire tracks there in the snow. Oh, sure. And it ain't the damage that concerns me, Chuck. I just worry about the fella in the other car, you know? Want to make sure he's okay, eh? Oh, sure. Trouble is, I don't know how to find him then. Oh, sure. Well, boy, Doug, that there's a head scratcher, eh? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. <gasps> One more little curiosity there, Chuck. Oh? What's that, Doug? I found this here note under my windshield wiper then. Oh, yeah? What's that note say? She says, hello, my new friend. I'm sorry to say I dinged your bumper there this morning, but I had to rush off to my boy's pee-wee hockey match. Aww. Aww. So I couldn't stay to exchange no insurance info or nothing. Please accept this blank check on which you can fill in the cost of repair, gas for getting to the service bay, plus whatever additional amount you feel would remunerate your inconvenience. Signed, your new friend, Hal. Oh, sure. And there was a blank check attached to the note signed and everything. Well, I tell you, Doug, it sure sounds to me like you got your man right there. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, Chuck. So it's a buck I owe you then, eh? Oh, uh... No, Canada. Oh, Canada. Terre de Rosailles. Our home and native land. Ton histoire est une épopée des plus brillants exploits et ta valeur de foi trompée protégera nos foyers et nos droits. Protégera nos foyers et nos Canuck Chuck, Detective for a Buck, was written by Joseph Beebe.
Chuck was played by Leet Stetson. Doug was played by Robert Murphy. Duotang Chesterfield's Mystery Theater is produced by Joseph Beebe and Theater Doubletake. Duotang Chesterfield wants to know, do you think Canada exists? Send us your theories on the web at duotangmysteries.com. Okay, all right, this is it. This is, this is, this is. What are we, what are we, how do we start? What do we say? It's just like... Hello, we're at the Duotang... No. Hello, dear listeners. This Hello, is... Hello, Grace. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't. Duo Team Chester Friends. First off, we're starting with a poem written by Grace Smith. In Oregon, family Christmas. Is That's that not title? it. In Oregon, the Oregon twins. It's called the Twins Oregon Christmas. What's it called again? I don't we know. Gave... It's four words. It's a Twins Oregon spectacular.